If you take your Bibles this morning and turn to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. I'd like to preach a message this morning titled, Sincerity Doesn't Save. Sincerity Doesn't Save. Have you guys heard of the slogan before, have it your way? You recognize that, have it your way? It's a Burger King slogan that they coined back in 1974. And uh, the reason for the slogan was in response to that uh, McDonald's chain and, you know, that, that assembly line style fast food service. You get what you get. There's the menu. That's what it is. And don't ask for no mustard on it because we'll be upset at you. So they had that slogan, have it your way. You know, we're going to take care of you. You get what, the, what you want. And uh, they had that slogan for 40 years. And then they changed it to be your way, which is the same idea, be your way. And they were trying to remind people, you know, they can and should live how they want anytime. And isn't that such a part of our philosophy, of the philosophy of our society today? You know, have it your way. I want it my way. I want it to be convenient. I want it to be catered to me. But in reality, we can't always have it our way. It doesn't work that way in life. As people, as adults, we should have common courtesy to others. But how often do we see adults having tantrums? You see videos of it. Adults in stores disrespecting employees or young workers because they didn't have it their way. You know, we have rules and laws that we need to abide by. There needs to be order. You know, what happens when we're not in order anymore, when we're not abiding by these rules and these laws, and we're trying to have it our way. We see chaos. We see things like traffic accidents when someone tries to do it their way and not follow the rules. You know, there's a right and there's a wrong way to do things most times. My son Simon, he loves to help. I think most little kids, they they grow up loving to help and they want to help out. And in all sincerity, he loves to help. But if I was to always let him do it his way, without teaching him, or sometimes I let him learn just to, to see if he can solve the problem on his own. But if I always let him do it his way, things would be a disaster. You know, we're at the grocery store yesterday, and we're at the checkout, and he loves to try to put things onto the conveyor belt. And I let him do it, and I put all the things, and the first thing he grabbed was this big jar of spaghetti sauce that was glass. You know, if I let him have it his way, and he slipped, that could have fell and smashed everywhere. So I showed him, you know, you can put these things up and let Daddy put these other things up. You know, he was in all sincerity wanting to help. He didn't have a desire to do things wrong, but he was sincere about it. And unfortunately, this philosophy of have it your way has affected the world's and even ours as Christians' response to God. There is a mistaken idea that is held by many that says that God will accept anything that is offered to him. You know, you ask someone, will you be at church on Sunday? And they say, well, if I feel good, or if I, I get up in time, you know, your service is pretty early. You know, if there isn't anything else on the go, if I don't have to go to the cottage that weekend, or, you know, if I could just find just the right outfit to where I'll go to church. You know, I'll have it my way. Or if there's anything left over at the end of the month, if I have a few bucks left, I'll give to God. You know, God today, he's not interested in have it your way, Christianity. That's not the way it works. And we need to follow 
what God has laid out for us in his word. And this morning we're going to read a passage in Genesis where we see someone trying to have it their way, and we see it throughout Scripture in several instances. But this morning I want to read this passage here. So Genesis chapter 4, starting at verse 1, the Bible says, And Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived, and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. So this morning, that first point I want to make here is sincerity doesn't save. Sincerity doesn't save. We see here in this passage, Adam and Eve are now living in this post-Garden of Eden uh, world, and they bear these two sons, Cain and Abel. And we see that Abel was this keeper of sheep. He was a shepherd. And we see Cain, who was the tiller of the ground or a farmer, and he was growing uh, food from the ground. And here we see this first offering or this first sacrifice brought before God. And yet one accepted, one was accepted, and one was rejected. Why is that? We see Cain brought the fruit of the cursed ground, the works of his hands. We see the contrast here that in scriptures we see that God has revealed the doctrine of blood sacrifice versus humanity trying to please God with their own efforts, you know, trying to do things on their own, not wanting the blood. Here, Cain's offering, it reminds us of Adam and Eve covering themselves with the fig leaves after their sin in the garden. I preached uh, uh, a few months ago about Adam and Eve and how they try to cover their sins. They try to do their own works to cover, to atone for their sins with that fig leaves. And we see Cain's offering kind of represents that, and he was trying to do it his own way. We see humanity attempting to work their way into a relationship with God instead of learning of God's grace. And we know, as I mentioned with Adam and Eve, we know that animal sacrifices had been instituted before this time. In Genesis 3.21, and just a few verses before, it says, Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins, and clothe them to make animal skins for Adam and Eve after they had sinned. An animal had to be sacrificed to make the covers for their sins. And this theme we see it throughout Scripture of the lamb and a lamb being slaughtered, and it was pointing towards Christ. We see it in Genesis. In Genesis 22 with Abraham and Isaac, and they're going to do a sacrifice, and Isaac looks to his father and says, well, where's the lamb? And Abraham says, God will provide a lamb. In Exodus 12, we see it with Egypt, and the firstborn is going to be killed unless there was an atonement made and the blood of an innocent lamb to be put on the doorpost. We see it in Isaiah 53 when Jesus prophesied as that lamb. In John 1.29, we see the entrance of that lamb, and John the Baptist announces and says, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. In Acts 8.26, we see Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, and he's reading about that passage. He's reading in uh, Isaiah about that lamb and asking questions. 
In 1 Peter chapter 1, the Bible says, talks about being redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. And then throughout Revelation, we see once again that lamb, that final lamb, Jesus Christ, who is the final atonement for our sins. So we see here the difference between these offerings. One was of human works, one was of the ground, one wasn't pointing towards Christ like we see throughout scriptures of that blood atonement, and the other one was accepted, Abel's, of an animal sacrifice. In Hebrews 11, chapter 4, the Bible says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. Abel had followed God's plan, looking ahead to that final atonement. In Matthew 26, 28, the Bible says, For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Hebrews 9.22 says, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. In 1 Peter 1, in verse, 8, verse 18, it says, For as much as ye know that you are not redeemed, with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. So this morning, I want you to realize that there is no salvation in any other than Jesus Christ. There's no other That may seem to some very narrow-minded. You know, some people will say, you know, that's how insensitive is that? You know, I remember hearing Oprah talk about that. Oprah has all these views about religion and and the world, and it makes me wonder why. But she, how how insensitive is that, that you say that there's only one way to God? But the Bible says that, Jesus saith in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That means that every other plan, other religions, other religious exercises, no matter how sincere you are in doing these things, is unacceptable before God. He doesn't care how sincere you are in doing them. It's unacceptable. I heard this this week. I was, I was, uh, I can't remember what I was reading, but Someone was saying, you know, just just because Jesus made maybe a more direct path, and he's talking about a map and trying to get to the destination, he said, yeah, maybe he made a more direct path to God, but that's not saying there's more than not more than one way to get around to God. And he was talking about how narrow-minded Christianity was. Or you hear people say, well, I believe, and you can go on and on about what they believe. You know, well, I believe if you've lived a good life, well, I believe if my good outweighs my bad, well, I believe if you don't murder, steal, and commit adultery, and it goes on and on and on. Well, if I say the rosary enough, if I go to confession, well, I was baptized when I was a baby, or my parents were Christians, so I know I'm going to heaven. Or this one, well, when I get to the gates, I'm going to talk to God there. You know, try to, try to work my way, smooth my way into heaven. Proverbs 14.12 says, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. It may seem right unto man, but the end thereof is death. You can be sincere, but you can also be sincerely wrong today. 
Peter and John declared in Acts 4.12, it says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's so clear throughout the scriptures, and yet still there's this mindset that God is going to accept anything as long as it comes from a heart, from my heart and is sincere. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know? You know, you can follow your heart all you want, but our heart is deceitful above all things and wicked. God will not accept a substitute for salvation. He redeemed us with his blood, like we sang about this morning, we heard about from the choir the blood of Jesus Christ, and that is the only thing that will cleanse our sinful hearts and save our souls this morning. Have it your way, Christianity, it doesn't work. I don't care how sincere you are. You know, people say, well, I don't need a Savior. All paths lead to God. I will get to God on my own. Or I can just do enough to please God. I think I'm a pretty good person. You know, this mentality of, you know, I'm going to do it my way, in your life, you've already dethroned God and you set yourself on that pedestal saying, I'm going to do it my way, not God's way. I don't need to listen to what God says. I'm in control. I'll come in my terms. You know, I find there's so many people out there when you talk to people that are waiting on God but not in the way that you think, but more in a tempting way. If, you know, if God is real, He's going to reveal Himself to me. And tempting God and saying, you know, God, show yourself. They want that Damascus Road type of manifestation where God's going to appear and show them, say, okay, and reveal Himself to, to them. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. We need to be searching for God. You know, there's many people throughout history that sought out to disprove God. And many of those people in their search for God found Him. But, like I said, our society is all about my way. They don't want to seek God. They want to come to God on their own terms. They want to go after them. They don't want to strive for Him. People want to give on their own terms. They want to worship on their own terms. But we must come to God on His own terms. He is the way, He is the truth, and He is the life. And no one will go unto the Father but by Him. So since we see this morning, sincere doesn't save. But I want to notice this morning, not only in salvation, but with works of the flesh and worship in the Spirit, there's a difference. Works of the flesh doesn't replace worship in the Spirit. If you turn with me to Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 10, we'll see another passage of someone trying to do it my way. Leviticus chapter 10. And here we see an account of Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron. And in Leviticus 10 Verse 1, the Bible says, And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put the fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. 
So it's amazing in this passage. In the chapter before, we see Israel and their the congregation is still expressing their thankfulness and their joy as the glory of the Lord appeared unto them and they sent, sent down fire and accepted that sacrifice. And right in that next verse, we see Nadab and Abihu do this sin of doing it their own way. The sin of Nadab and Abihu was complicated in so many ways because they sinned in so many ways. They broke the law in so many ways. There are several transgressions. First, they each took their own censer and not the sacred utensil of the sanctuary. They filled their vessels with common fire instead of taking it from the holy fire of the altar, which was always to be used in burning incense. They both offered it together, whereas the incense was only to be offered by one. They presumptuously encroached upon the functions of the high priest. Uh, for the, according to the law, the high priest alone burnt incense in the censer. The ordinary priest only burnt it <coughs> on the golden altar in the holy place. They had that have it your way mentality. You know, I'm going to do it my way. I don't care how God has laid it out in the scriptures, what the law says, I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. And they offered strange fire. And the Bible says that they died before the Lord for their transgressions. And unfortunately, that have it your way makes it into the church today. You know, many people want to worship the way they want to worship. Many people want to serve the way that they want to. In Romans 8, uh, Chapter 8, verse 8, Paul says, So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Jesus said in John 4.24, God is a spirit, and they that worship must worship him in spirit and in truth. People are worshiping today, but they're doing it in the works of the flesh. Jesus said, Just because something is done in my name doesn't make it acceptable. In Matthew 7:22, um, he says, "Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we have not prophesied, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquities. Just because something is done in the name of Christ doesn't mean, it was done in spirit. It could be done in the flesh. Not led by the Spirit of God. True worship, like Christ said in John, is in spirit and in truth. There is nothing wrong with the acts of worship as long as they reflect the true attitude of the heart. In Isaiah 1, we see the people were going through the motions of worship in that chapter, in that passage. They were going through all the, the, the motions of worship, but it wasn't coming from a pure spirit or a true attitude. In Isaiah 1.11, it says, To what purpose is this multitude of their sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord? I am full of the burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of, or of lambs or of he goats. He was saying, what is all of this? He goes, I see your hearts. It's not sincere. You're just doing eye service before me. We see it with Cain. You know, Cain may have brought the very best that he had, 
But he did so with entirely the wrong attitude. It would have been comparable to someone who is giving a large sum of money to the church with a grudging attitude. You know, some suspect that Cain's offering was of the fruit of the land was not the best the land had produced. Because as we read that passage, it's emphasized in Abel's sacrifice that he brought the first fruits of his flock or the best that he had he gave to the Lord. Proverbs twenty one twenty seven says, The sacrifice of the wicked is abomination. How much more when he bringeth it with a wicked mind? 1 John three twelve says, Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him, because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. You know, Cain's heart, whether he was grudgingly giving it, or, or how he was doing it, was in the wrong way. And we need to look at our lives today, and look at our worship. Are we worshiping in the flesh today? Are we here today in church because we're just doing eye service, because we're supposed to be here, or because our parents told us to be here, or this is just what I've always done? How's our service to them? Are we doing stuff out of guilt, doing stuff trying to please someone, trying to please your parents, trying to please our pastor? Are we worshiping and serving in the flesh, or is it in spirit and truth? Or is it in our way, on our terms? As we examine our lives today, we shouldn't be satisfied with our walk. We shouldn't be satisfied with our giving. We shouldn't be satisfied with our service. These things shouldn't only be when it's easy or when it's convenient or when it fits our plan or when we have it my way. Proverbs 3.9 says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. God is to be worshipped through sacrifice. In Mark 12, we see an account of Christ, and he's looking at the people as they're giving. In Mark 12, 38, it says, And he said unto them in his doctrine, Beware of the scribes which love to go in long clothing and and love salutations in the marketplaces and the chief seats in the synagogues and the uppermost rooms at feasts which devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers, these shall receive greater damnation. So he's here talking about these scribes and how they're doing all this eye service. They're doing things just to look good. In verse 41, And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow and threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all she had, even all her living. So Jesus is watching these people and they're giving their offerings. And his disciples are standing by and he's seeing all these rich men and they're casting in a lot of money. And do we see Jesus? Is he calling his disciples and saying, look at this. Look at these men giving all this money. Isn't that great? No, he knew their heart. He knew the attitude. But when does he call his disciples over? When that widow came in and that widow cast in two mites, which make a farthing. Basically, she threw in pennies. 
And the Bible says it was all her living. It was all she had. And Jesus said to his, his disciples, look at this. Look at this service. Look at this hard attitude where she's giving from. She's Where these people have given from abundance, she's given all she's had. She was worshiping through sacrifice. She was giving with her heart. In 1 Kings 17, we see a similar um, idea where we see Elijah and he goes to that widow where she's literally preparing to die. She doesn't have anything left. She barely has enough meal to make something for her and her son. And Elijah goes and says, bring me some water and make me a cake that I may eat of it. And she said, and she obeys and she does it. She gave all she had. She was at the point of hopelessness. She was at the point of death where she had nothing. And yet she gave all before God. She worshiped through sacrifice. And today in our lives, we cannot worship on our own terms. We cannot worship the way that we want to. We need to worship on how God has laid it out. We need to worship in truth and in spirit. We cannot worship in the, in the flesh. Or should we want to? We shouldn't be here for eye service. We shouldn't be here trying to please someone other than trying to glorify God in our service to Him, in our worship to Him. And lastly this morning, I want to look at something else. We looked at our salvation and how sincerity doesn't save. And we looked at our service and our worship to God, but I want to look at something else that I feel is plaguing our churches, and that's lukewarmness. And lukewarmness doesn't replace being on fire for God. It doesn't replace it. In Revelation 3.14, if you'd like to turn there with me, this is where um, I'm launching off at this point. Revelation chapter 3. Starting at verse 14. The Bible says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, and thou art neither cold nor hot. I, I would though wert cold or hot, so then men, thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. And here in this passage, Jesus Christ is addressing the Laodicean church. And God literally tells us here that he will not tolerate a lukewarm attitude in his church. And he uses such a strong word here. He says, I will spew thee out of my mouth. We see his utter rejection of that kind of service. He doesn't want anything to do with lukewarmness. He wants us to be either hot or cold. Are you hot today or are you cold today? But he doesn't want to see lukewarm. How many of you get frustrated? Be honest now. How many of you get frustrated driving in the GTA? (laughs) I think anyone who's driven a car in the GTA gets frustrated driving around. You have lane straddlers, those that are, you know, why are you coming to my lane? You see them, they're maybe looking for something or they're on their phone straddling the lanes. Someone who missed their exit and they're trying to whip over and get to the other side, unsure of where they're going. You know what I always say to a man? I said, they need to eat that. They need to eat that mistake. Just take it. Just take the loss. Get off the ramp and do a U-turn. Don't put my family at risk. 
Don't inconvenience us because you messed up. You need to eat that mistake. And I'll say that all the time. And now Amanda will say, he needs to eat that. (laughs) I get frustrated driving around the GTA. And it happens all the time. You see that person driving down the middle. You know, get in the left or get in the right. You've made a mistake, so get off or keep going. Don't be lukewarm. When God looks at the lives of his children, he says either make it hot or make it cold. If we're hot, then we're serving God with a fervor that is pleasing unto him. And if we're cold, then God can reach us with his spirit and set us on fire for him. But if we're lukewarm, we think we're fine. You know, I don't need anything. I'm good. You know, I'm serving. I'm not cold. I'm not like those people, but I'm fine. But verse 17 of that passage that we just read in Revelation says, But thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. God will not accept lukewarm Christian service. And we need to change our thinking about what is acceptable service to God. You know, many people are content today. They're content with where they are in their Christian life. They're content with their walk. You know, we see people waiting on God, like I said. We see people questioning God. We see people influenced by the world's philosophies. We see people struggling, Christians struggling and questioning why. Because they're trying to do it their own way. Do it their own way. They're being lukewarm. They're not seeking God. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and, and he will provide. And I will add all these things unto you. But the problem is, people don't want to seek God. They want to do it their way. They'd rather sit there and struggle than to seek God. We see people shop around for church until they find a church that fits their lifestyle instead of growing because they want to do it their own way rather than trying to grow in Christ. Second Peter 3, verse 18 says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. But people want to do it their own way. So they go searching. Not wanting to do it God's way is lukewarmness. Then that's not acceptable to God. But we need to be on fire for God. We need to be hot for God. And he says, even if you're not going to be hot, be cold. Because then I could change you. I can work with you there. And we need to look at our lives and try to realize, you know, am I being lukewarm? That's an easy place to get in as a Christian. You know, you get busy with life. You get busy with other things. And you think you're good. You think you're doing what's right. And you don't even realize that you're doing things for eye service. You're doing things to try to please other people. You're trying to do things to please your wife or your spouse because you know this is what we should be doing. But you're not actually trying to please God. We need to look at our lives and, and see, are we lukewarm? Are we hot? Are we on fire for God? So I want to ask you this morning, why have it your way when you can have it his way?
You know, we have His way laid out for us right here in His Word. We have everything that we need to help us in this life. Jeremiah 29, verse 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon, call, shall call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Why do I want to do it my way? When I think about my way, I mess things up when I do it my way. When I'm not doing it according to a plan. When I'm not doing it according to God's plan. A while ago, my uh, in-laws moved to a new house. They moved into their new house and they got a bunch of new furniture. And my father-in-law ordered these end tables. And he got the first end table and it came and it was broken. So he sent it back. They had to pick it up. Got a new one. The new one was broken too. So he went all the way there got the other one that they ordered, opened it at the store, got it, it was good to go, brought it home. We're at their house, and we're putting all the furniture together. And lucky me, I'm helping put this end table together. And being a guy, I'm doing it my way. I look at the table, I look at the legs, I look at you know the little bag of screws, the little Allen key, and I'm like, okay, I got this. I don't need the instructions. I sit there, I'm putting this end table together. I was sincere. I knew I was, okay, I could do this. It's a table, a top, four legs, and a piece of glass that goes in glass. I can do this, and I sit there, and I start putting those screws in. Little did I know there was a couple of screws that were a little bit longer. And I'm sitting there talking, and Amanda's doing some stuff, and I'm just screwing in and screwing in and screwing in. All of a sudden, I hear this cracking noise, and the top piece of that table started to split. And I just split it open, and I sat there, and my heart dropped. This is the third end table that he had gone through. And you know what I had to do? I had to eat it. I ate that mistake. And I sat there, and I felt like that kid in classrooms in trouble. And I almost felt like I needed to raise my hand and just be like, I messed up. And I sat there, and I didn't want to say anything. I literally took my phone out and texted Amanda and said, I broke the end table. And she looked at me and said... You're kidding. I said, no. And she came over and looked at it. And I just kind of sat there and said, I broke the table. (laughs) Loud enough so my father-in-law could hear it. And he was gracious towards me. I know in his heart he was upset. But he was gracious towards me. And I, to be honest, he said he would take care of it and fix it. To this day, I have not gone to the end table, which is in the corner, to look at the back to see if he fixed it. I don't have the courage to look at it or to think about it anymore. But I did it my way. The instructions were right there. I could have looked at the instructions and would have told me, there are long screws and short screws. And I wouldn't have messed things up. When we do things our way, we mess things up. And you can be sincere. You can be so sincere, but it doesn't matter. But that's the mentality that we live in today, the society that we live in, my way. But let me tell you this. Doing it my way never just ends. You'll always want to do it your way. So when you're trying to do it my way in your service to Christ and trying to do things for Christ, you're trying to do it your way and find a church that fits your lifestyle, it's never going to end there. You're never going to be content. And you're going to drift further away because you're always going to want to do it my way. 
You can end up leading your family into a dangerous direction. Amanda and I were just talking about this. You know, friends of ours. And it's sad to hear, it's sad to see the direction they're going in, but they're doing it my way. They're saying, well, that church doesn't work for me, I'm going to go to this church. And do you think they're happy and content? They are for a while, but then they start doing it my way. And their way leads from going to another church to using another Bible to now being okay to do things that are borderline, but now it's just full-blown sin. They're okay with that. And they're trying to raise a family in church, and they're trying to straddle this line and being lukewarm. And that's a dangerous place to put your family in. When you are living in sin willfully and trying to teach them to serve God and being lukewarm in your family. But that's what my way does it. When you have it your way, it doesn't end and you're never going to be satisfied and it's going to take you away from what the word of God and God's plan for your life. Allow God to direct you in your life. Proverbs 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Hebrews 11.25 says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We need to seek God. We need to seek His face, and we need to seek His direction in our lives. And maybe today you're one of the people that are trying to be sincere, and you want to be saved, but you're trying to do it your own way. God is the only way. Jesus Christ is the way. I was looking up as I was studying in Genesis, and Abel's name comes from the Hebrew word Abel, which means breath or vapor. And that same word is often used to describe brevity of life. So if you study that word throughout the Old Testament in Job or Psalms and Ecclesiastes, it's talking about the brevity of life or the vanity of life. And we see Abel as he... His life came to an abrupt end. And let me tell you, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. And maybe you're thinking that way, you know, well, I can take care of it later, or I can try to get some things lined up or fixed in my life first. That's doing it your way. Don't put salvation off to another day. Don't try to come to God on your terms. You know, today is the day of salvation, and you can accept that gift today. Isaiah 55 Verse 5 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call, up, call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to God, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways, not, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God gives us his plan right here. Our heart's deceitful. You know, our mind isn't going to be able to do things the way God has planned for us. And you can be sincere in all you do, but you can be sincerely wrong today. So let me challenge you with this. Don't do it your way, but we all need to be doing it God's way today in our lives.